Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. What is a typical treatment plan like? My essay is doing individualized therapy with a CSAT and trying to do 12-step program as well. Is that enough? How many 12-step meetings should he join each week? He hasn't found a sponsor or an accountability partner, so I am his accountability partner. Scream. For me, for now, that that was as a partner is saying that they are the accountability partner. Okay, well, I can speak to that. Well, hang on. Uh, I don't know any uh, uh, accountabilities, partners, responsibilities are. The only thing I do is checking if he's doing his work each day or not. He says finding a sponsor and AP will take time because he needs to find the right person. Oh my gosh, according to his therapist. Could the sponsor and AP be the same person? Anyway, there's more, but let's talk. So there's a lot of questions in there. Um, I'm going to ask you, Tammy, can we pull them out one at a time? Yes. The first one is, is it enough if he is just going to his therapist and doing some 12-step but doesn't have a sponsor or accountability partner? Well, we have a treatment center. It's called Seeking Integrity. We're actually very full of gentlemen right now who I spent the day with, and I have a feeling they're watching. And um, They are. So, Tammy, what do you think I'm going to say about these guys? Every one of them. Go ahead. I'm just, no, you go for it. They had listened to me enough, so. No, you go. If it isn't, if you are not seeing changes, if all I heard was he's making excuses. So what I hear is there's not enough. So to me, no, if you're asking the question, is it enough? It's not enough. And I would say, and thank you, Tammy, I was just, we're good, we're partners here. I would say, um, how will you ever feel safe? You know, what I, and there's nothing wrong with going to a 12-step program, not getting a sponsor. Lots of people go for support, but this is probably related to some crisis. And this person created this crisis and it's been going on probably for a long time. So that means they have to get deeply involved in their process. And let me just say something about 12-step. If you take all of the language out, if you take all of the information out. It's about people building community. It's about people with like problems building community. And you can't do that. And part of that process is finding one or two people that will tell you the truth, who will be there, who will guide you through the process. And so it's like, I don't know, it's like going to the movie theater and sitting outside while everyone else is in the theater. You might poke your head in a little bit, but you don't know what the movie's about and you're certainly not enjoying it. This person, Addicts cannot have one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat. They have to jump in with both feet or go back to the way things were. Otherwise, they'll hate themselves. Like, I can't get this right, and you're going to hate them more. (laughs) By the way, one more thing. Uh, The guys that we work with, I don't know if they know this yet, um, but when they go home, if they're married or in a relationship, we're going to give them a set of things to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which involves 12-step meetings and talking to us about whatever. And they're going to put that on the refrigerator. So that whoever is living with that person knows, oh, at two o'clock they went to a meeting, or three o'clock they talked to a sponsor, oh, tomorrow they're going to therapy, so that you can be reassured. You don't have to ask, did you go to a meeting tonight? You know, it should just be there and it's expected. Um, addicts, it is a minimum requirement. If you want to, if you want to heal your marriages, for you to stand up and show up and do what you're supposed to do, your spouse should never, as Tammy just said, be asking us this question. I did write a book about this. I will say it's called Out of the Doghouse, a relationship-saving guide for men caught cheating. And if I had to sum that whole book in one word, 
which is about what men do to women and how they harm them and what women need to heal. The word that comes to mind is humility, that I, I have been so humbled by what I have done. And this person is so important to me that I'm going to prostate myself in front of them and say, whatever I can do, and I'm going to do it for a long time. Uh, if I want to stay with them and the guys will say, oh, well, it's been three months. Why are we still, why does she have these expectations? Why do I have to still be, why do I have to still be nice to her? That's basically what they're saying. Um, the rest of your life. So anyway, I'm, I'll, I'll drop that. Tammy, please continue. Anything for that or a new question? Well, oh, there are several I, I, questions. I, well, the other thing, yeah, please, you should not be his accountability partner. Oh, there, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And at the very least, and this is truly at the very least, the Sex and Porn Addiction 101 work group that starts March 6th. It's a facilitated psychoeducational component where 90 minutes every week, $350. This is not a huge investment, but it's uh, structured to go through the Sex Addiction 101 workbook. There'll be a three circle plan. They'll, they'll have some uh, some information and a, a, at least a plan um, that would be, like I said, the very least. But talk about accountability partner. Oh, so the problem with being a spouse, listen, you guys want to know. And we need someone to know what our struggles are, but not you. <laughs> you can hear about if there's something serious. Like if I was an alcoholic and I went back to drinking, you need to hear about that. But if I thought about drinking, if I called a bar, if I checked in hours of the bar, you know, that would not be something I'd necessarily tell you about. That's my sponsor. That's my program. That's where I get the support for where it might go next. And if you do that for the person, then you're no longer their wife. You are their parole officer. And you do not want someone checking in with you. You want to be a wife. Um, and I think, didn't they say, wasn't there a, a, an expression in there like, uh, or... I, I did that. I, oh, that was you. <laughs> I, that was that was me editing in there. So yeah. So, but it's Jackie, I was like, I hate that. So, but I understand. And I'd be curious, who asked? Did he say, "I want to be accountable to you, so you'll be mad at me," or did you ask for it? Or I, I'd be curious. We don't have to do that now, but I do think for spouses, your expectations should be that we are going to be honest with you, that we're going to tell you the truth, that you will never know if anything meaningful happens in our behavior. But in the day to day, we're going to struggle. We're going to look at people. We're going to, you know, and we have to go to meetings and call a sponsor. And that's what all that is for. That structure has a reason. Anyway, please, uh, let's move it. Okay. Next question. Can you please speak about the relationship with the SA and his AP? Now, I'm not sure if that's the affair partner or accountability partner. So that's a little challenging. Assuming that they are both drug addicts, as far as how possibly this relationship can exist, last endure after the end of an, of the SA marriage. Um, oh, a fair partner. Thank you for clarifying. Okay, uh, so can you please speak about how the relationship between the sex addict and his affair partner, assuming they are both drug addicts, as far as how possibly this relationship can exist, last, endure after the end of the SA marriage? I can't imagine this relationship could be healthy or successful. Well, um, can you just read that last sentence again, Tammy? I can't imagine this relationship can be healthy or successful. So what do you need us for? I mean, you already know in your gut exactly what's going on. You know that you're both people with a lot of dysfunction. I don't know how long ago you ended your marriage, but did you give time to grieve it? You know, with affair partners, men often go from this woman to that woman to that woman. And that's a problem for us. Other men, this is typical for men, by the way. They don't want to just jump on their own. They usually jump with somebody. But um, And that might be fine for people who have an affair or, and lots of people get left for the next partner. Shit happens and I don't approve it or not. But sex addicts, we don't have an option. 
um, we don't get to do things or not. Do we have to do these things? So um, Tammy, anything else you want to? Do you know how many calls I get from people who were the previous affair partner and now they're being cheated on? And like, right. I'm like, of course, you know, like, like I know people think it's magically going to be me. But like you just said, if he hasn't done his work, it's I, it's often the female that's reaching out. If he hasn't done his work, you know, of course, he's going to jump to the next person. You, you guys prove that you can cheat. You know, you both cheated. And now he's cheating on you again. And just for the sake of saying it, and Tammy knows this because she talks to everyone who's coming into treatment. I've got a room full of guys who have done this. I got a room full of guys. I talked to one gentleman today who said, I said, how many affairs? And he it was number was in the 20s or something. And it's like. Uh, some were close lovers, some were friends, some were just someone to sleep with. So uh, I have worked with so many men who say, and I really uh, have feelings about this. They come into treatment or they come to us and say, I, I don't know what to do. I have this split and I don't know how to decide. Well, I know what they're talking about. What they're saying is I'm married to this person. I'm having an affair with this person. And which one do I pick? And my answer is neither one. You know, you need to spend some time alone because you don't know how to treat people that you love in a respectful way. And I guarantee you every, well, I won't say this, but many of the men that I work with who are having an affair are, as Tammy said, also seeing sex workers or cheating on their affair partner. And it's not unusual for someone who did not realize they're a sex addict to, um, to you know, to, sorry, to be in this pattern of doing this and not even realize what they're doing. Um, about the relationship, uh, what do you think, Tammy? They're both drug addicts. I don't know if they're sober. They're not. To me, it's one of those. Find no, words. Find what, words. Like, well, it's like, you know, if you want to do things in a different way, you do things in a different way. If you, if you keep hanging out at the bar and you're a drug addict and alcoholic, you're probably going to keep drinking, you know? So unless they're both in recovery, but there's so much messy history to me it just you know it feels like a poor life choice so and you know it's one thing to go from one person to another it's even it's different to go from one person to an active addict um i, I had a guy in treatment not that long ago who uh, i asked him how long he'd spent with his affair partner and he was like you know it was under a year and I said, and how much, uh, actually they had moved in together. It was not an affair anymore. And I said, and how much of that time have you spent together sober? And it was mm. like a few weeks or a few or a month. So I, I, yeah, I think on every level to get involved with the person that you acted out with and then to bury it or struggle with drugs. And alcohol, this is just not, well, first of all, trust yourself. You said it to us. How could this ever work? I don't think it will. You're right. I don't think it will either. Um, and besides, you need some time for you to grieve your marriage and grieve the losses and think about what you want to do next. Oh, one more thing. I never made, and I will give this to all of you. Cammy, are you dying back there? Are you okay? You got something in your throat and your <laughs> Okay, bring those lozenges on. Um, now I forgot what I was saying. Anyway, um, where were we? Yeah, I don't even, I don't know why I can't find these questions when I want to. Anyway, is there anything you want to say about that, Tammy? Can you say things? No. Okay. Well, let me read the next question. <laughs> um, I struggle with a lot of ambivalence about reconciling with my partner. We've been married over 35 years, living separately for five, but I've been talking, but I don't know who's been, we have been talking about reconciliation in the future. I definitely still love him, but he is starting recovery and I know he has a lot 
a lot has to happen for him to rebuild trust and safety with me as a betrayed spouse. And I would also say for him to build a sense of trust and safety with himself. I struggle with shame about still wanting to be in the relationship despite the pain I had in marriage. So I really want to address that to all of you spouses. Um, I worked, I've worked with people who were physically abused. You know, they were hit. Horrible stuff, domestic violence. And the person is no longer in their life and they've moved on. They were dealing with their uh, with the, the results of having been you know, violated in that way. And then they'll look up and they'll say, but I don't understand why I still care about him or her. Like, how could I care about them after what they did to me? And it's not that simple. You know, love is something that is emotional and it's deeply embedded in our brains. And it doesn't just disappear because somebody disappointed me, let me down or hurt me, no matter how much. And so many of you spouses, are still in love with us. Why wouldn't you be? We spent all these years together, whatever time we spent, we did things, we hung out, we have friends, whatever it is. My husband is not just my sex partner. Um, we enjoy each other. We have fun together. We love each other. You know, so um, I think there's so much there than what, more there than what you're asking about. Um, and personally, if it were me, asked like five years apart and he's just really starting to get into the recovery, so what I suggest you wait. You're already not living together. So why don't you do some couples therapy? Why don't you, one of the things I recommend is date, if that's what you're going to do. Go see him for an hour on a walk outside, you know, um, you know, do some short activities, get on a Zoom and watch a movie together. I mean, do things that you can enjoy together that will not necessarily tick off all of these boxes, but you need to start getting to know each other again. Five years is a long time to be separate. And please, all of you, forgive yourselves for loving broken people, <laughs> please. Otherwise, we would never get loved. Um, and I did write a book about this called Pro-Dependence, which is all about don't blame yourself for loving someone who's troubled. I say you are amazing for hanging out with and hanging in there. The fact that you still have feelings for this person, I think is a gift. Um, and you see it and you get to decide what you want to do with it. I just wouldn't hurry. Feelings are not facts. So we're feeling closer. We're getting along. It feels right. Maybe how hard is this person working on their healing and how long have they been at it? And there's so many pieces to this. And I wonder, Tammy, wherever they are, do they have a, does she or he, this person have a professional who understands what needs, those of us who understand this work know that there are certain steps that have to be taken for any couple to begin to heal, whether they've been separated or not, like disclosure, um, where you share everything you've done that your partner didn't know about, and then they get to be an equal in all the knowledge, and then they get to decide what they want to do in the relationship. So there are many, many steps to take. And I think you're wise to be asking us these questions, but what I suggest is let's, you know, and you can write us Tammy, T-A-M-I at, at seeking recovery, seeking addiction. I, oh my God. Seekingintegrity.com. You can write Rob at seekingintegrity.com. And uh, we don't make, we don't get kickbacks. We just, after all, I won't say all these years, after many years of working together in this field, we really know who the, who the better therapists are. And I don't like bad therapists can set you back a lot, set you back a ways. So if you want that, just write to me, you know, but you should do this with counseling, not on your own. And I want to add that disclosure is not because I had another one of these today where somebody just told the person and I'm like, that's not oh. disclosure, that dumping information. So a disclosure that Dr. Rob was talking about is a therapeutic disclosure with professionals. There's a whole process to prepare for it and support you through it. So don't just go, oh, I'm going to clear the field and I'm going to tell my loved one, everything. No, that's a terrible idea.
And I want to add to that, Tammy. Um, there are men that I work with just today who said and have said, uh, my wife told my kids about it. I told my kids about it. Um, I manned up and told them, I don't think that you should ever tell your children this personally. I think that no child wants to think about their father's sex life. No one, no one wants to think about. None of you know how a child or a young adult is going to react three months, six months, a year down the line when they feel like you hurt my mom and I want to protect my mom. And Tammy and I have seen too many couples where they were really doing well and really trying to work it out. And kids were like, you know, they were angry. Like you, you can't be with, and mom was fighting the kids. And so the other thing is that um, it will never leave their head. Once you tell them, you can't take it back and they will picture it and they'll think about who you're with and when you're with. And was it, you know, it's just not tell them that you've been struggling with some emotional issues that you're really trying to heal, that you really take care, that you took some time out. But if you can avoid it, try not to tell them this. Um, and sometimes, by the way, I think that's very impulsive. It's like Tammy said, well, I'll just tell you every single thing I've ever happened to me. Of course, there'll be no therapist around. And do you know what, how we do disclosure? And what, I'll just say this, we only do it when a partner has support. So I'm not going to dump, as Tammy said, all the information about your history. I'm not going to do it. You're going to do it. But I'm not going to ask you to do that in front of someone who's going to leave their devastated. And who do they turn to? Their sister. This person needs support and guidance for them to do what they need to do. So um, anyway, Tammy, I'll turn it over to you. I'm blathering about all that. Well, I'm going to add one more thing. And it's not, I'm going to tell you everything, meaning that it's a 20-page narrative of all these things. It's it's concise, it's factual, it's the information that a partner and spouse really absolutely needs, but not in a manner that's more traumatizing. So, okay. And, and let me touch on that. What we, in decide, Tammy, we could talk about this all day. Um, when we disclose, we don't say, and this person looked like that, and this was really hot. And, you know, we don't give them anything to think about to compare themselves. So I might say, I was with three sex workers this month. But I wouldn't say what they looked like, what kind of sex we had, because again, that's something a spouse will never get out of their head. And I'll say something to your spouses. I know you want information. You are the information gatherers. And that makes sense because if your spouse had cancer, you'd be researching cancer. So now they have this and you're researching this. But don't think, all of you spouses, that our answering one more question is going to make you feel better because you will always have one more question because you don't feel safe. And every time as my experience spouse, they get some answers they and then something pops in their head. They're like, wait, what about this? And what you're looking for is reassurance. And a lot of times to, well, a couple of things. Number one, you want to know what's really going on. I understand that. But the constant questioning, like all day long that some people do, it's not healthy for a relationship because you have to get through the day and you have to do the things you have to do. And there can't be this constant dark cloud of, you're running up to them and saying, well, did you do this? Did you do that? And then they lie or they don't. Um, Tammy's heard me say this many times, find a time every evening when you say from eight to nine, when the kids are in bed or whatever, we're going to talk about this. And I tell, tell spouses, you know, carry, carry your phone around and write a note about whatever questions you have. And then when you meet, bring them up. Um, so, and that's a boundaries thing, by the way, that would be the kind of thing a couples therapists do in the very beginning, if they knew what they were talking about, which was saying, you know, don't fight all day, don't get into, you know, set a time or we have a saying and uh, all the guys in treatment, we tell them that when they call their spouses, we want them to do news, weather and sports. We don't want you guys to get into it while someone's in treatment. That's what we're for. And we will sit between the two of you and work on it. Um, 
And what Tammy said too about dumping, I know that you want to hear all this and I really want you to hear all this. And I, I'm, I'm going to act this out. And I'm tired of your nagging me and I'm tired of your complaining. I'm just going to, you want to know, I'll tell you. And guess who feels better? We do because we got this all off our chest and now we're known and we feel better. And, but who doesn't feel better? You, because we've just dumped a dump truck of garbage on your life. And it's fine for us to tell you, but you need support and it needs to be in a particular environment. And by the way, we often forget things. So if we're not working with someone and clearly identifying what we did and, and writing it down, and then you know you don't want three months later to go back and say, how come you didn't tell me about this? So we are thoroughly prepared for this disclosure process and it has to be done with a professional, in my opinion. Okay, I'm done. I agree. And that's what I wanted to add on. Okay, Dr. Rob, how can I get my SA husband to share more of his real feelings? I feel like he's often withholding his real thoughts and refuses to share his true feelings. Is it because they are so used to lying or is he just scared to say the wrong thing to hurt me even more? How do I get him to be more open and vulnerable? Also, how do, can I tell when he is honest and when he's lying? I have a hard time now and I used to trust him so much. Thank you. I'm assuming because this feels like it's fairly early on, doesn't it to you? I can't tell. I don't know. Um, I would say, and you know, it's so awful to me because I wish I could read the questions that you have, but I want to look back at them, but I just can't. Um, so. Do you want me to read yeah. it again? Just the question in there, if you don't mind. The question is, well, there's several, but um, actually. Early on. The person wrote it. It's very early on. on. Okay. So I'm going to read it again. So um, how do I get my essay husband to sh share more of his real oh, feelings? Right withholding refuses to share his true feelings right. he's lying is he or is he scared to say the wrong thing to hurt me even more how do i get him to open up and be vulnerable also how can i tell it when he is honest and when he's lying well i don't think you can get anybody to open up and be vulnerable and and what i would ask you is how many of these skills did he have before like you know i, I think a lot of us excuse my language are assholes to our partners when we're actively acting out we don't listen we don't pay attention we don't show up we're self-invested all that stuff but this should all change in some to some degree over time tammy and i often talk about like i can even with alcohol it doesn't matter what the addiction is i could learn how to stop that i can learn how to stop drinking or acting out or whatever it is but learning how to be a better person a kinder more empathic person that takes work that might take a couple of years and unfortunately you spouses and i get it or partners you feel entitled it's like and i think in a good way like hey you did this to me and now i deserve as you do a more communicative partner more engaged whatever it is that you feel you deserve i think they're you're right um sorry about that but um but they may not be ready to act in a way that is the kind of partner that you would want them to be. And I think it's important to let them know that. I don't feel like you're sharing with me. I'm disappointed that you're not more open with me. Um, how can I, I mean, I think these are good questions to ask him. Is he aware of it? Does he even know that he's shutting you down? Does he, I work with guys in treatment there. Oh, I act that way. You know, there's a lot of investment in not being self-aware or other aware when you're an active addict. Um, you don't want to know about yourself because you're too busy lying to yourself about what you're doing and you certainly don't want your partner to know. So coming into integrity, meaning being one person with everything on the table and just facing you or anybody else is not familiar. I'm not familiar. And, and one more thing. One of the things that the addicts have to give up in the process of healing is control. When I have the information, when I know everything, then I'm in control. I decide what you know, when you know, what you don't know. But 
part of the intimacy that has developed if we do disclosures, now there's no more secrets. Now we are both connected. Now we both understand what's going on. I would probably say something like, you know, I, I wonder, you hear that noise, Tammy? Because, I do hear oh, it. Let me fix that. I would okay. probably say, you know, I wonder, uh, I'm not feeling like our relationship is moving forward in the way you seem to be healing. Could we see a couple's therapy? Could we work on this? But what Tammy said is important. Her one question, is this early? Early matters. So if you don't want to close the door, if you have a thought about that. Yeah, I do. Because you know, like Dr. Rob was talking about, like, there aren't the skills. So um, lying to ourselves, lying to everyone else. But I've said this on another webinar before too. It's like, you know, he's like in kindergarten, you're asking him to write a paper that he would write in college. He doesn't have the words to do it. He doesn't have any of the tools to do that. So he can learn, but it's going to take time for him to get you know to, to college instead of being at kindergarten. So it, it's very difficult. And like Dr. Rob was talking about, if we're compartmentalizing, if we're numbing out, we're escaping all those negative feelings, all of a sudden you're asking us to look at what our real feelings are. I, When I first got sober, somebody said, how are you feeling? I said, I don't know. I'm just feeling and I hate it. Like just <laughs> identifying like, like I needed the has, little has that changed, had, Tammy? Has, has that no, changed? I actually do know my feelings now. Yes, I, I okay. know I actually do. And but you're I still feeling the, them. I feel, I feel them now. I didn't numb them out, you know. And but to be able to, to tolerate feeling them and to identify what they were, that was a challenge. So I learned. Okay, next question. By the way, this Go is ahead. two more things. Number one, this is why we get a sponsor because we may not be able to understand how to be honest and clear and respectful with you, but we can learn it with another man, perhaps. The other thing is there was another question there, which is how do I begin to trust this person again? And I'll say to you what I say to everybody. Um, at this point for you guys, love is, love is behavior. That's it. You know, is this person not, on, not at, with my asking or complaining, but on their own, going to support groups? Have they found their own therapist? Have they, you know, are they gotten, did they drop in on some of our addicts groups once a week and say, hey, what's it like with these guys? You know, what are they doing? And it's their job to demonstrate to you. Like, if you don't feel the warmth and the connection and the, as Tammy said, it can take a while, but you should be able to see a commitment to change in concrete ways. And at least you can rest assured, because it's my experience, that if you, if the person's committed to healing, that over time, they will start to grow um, as a better person. It gives, it gives them the, the soil to grow from. But when they're acting out, I mean, most of us, last thing, active alcoholics, I used to hear when they get sober, they're like nine years old. And they have a lot of work to do. I mean, it's not just us, right? I mean, that's a big thing yeah. in AA. Is that true yeah. too? Yeah. Yeah. I think we say you're only as old as you were when you started acting out. So right. I was 13. <laughs> okay. Betrayed partner here. I want social media transparency with my partner who is a sex porn addict. They were incested by their mother. And when I ask or intrusively go through their media history, it reminds them of a time when their mother went through their porn history in an inappropriate incestuous way. They are triggered by me going through their media. How can I go through the media without triggering them? I don't want them to be in a relationship with an addict if there is no transparency. I don't want to be in a relationship with an addict if there's no transparency. So. I'm, I may have lots of thoughts about this, but why don't you okay. start? Tim? Well, I'm no, I'm a little confused. So maybe you can help me because they, they said they were incested. Oh, so your partner and and siblings. Oh, I just made sense. I was like, he was incested they? by his mom who was intrusive. Yes. And now she's doing healthy things like finding out what the heck's been going right. on. Okay. And he's still saying, and that is understandable to some degree, I feel intruded upon. So why don't you do this? Ask for his permission. 
you know, and make it ask, you know, would it be okay if I look at this today? Of course, the answer always has to be yes. Um, but sometimes people with trauma just need to feel a sense of control. And if you can give them that control by saying, okay, I'll look at it with you here. I'll look at you not here. You know, all that stuff. Somebody wrote something. Um, oh, kids. Oh, this is a great thing. So I want to actually go on with this one, Tammy, if you don't mind, even though it came up in the chat, unless okay. there's something else you want to. Well, so do you have anything else to add to that particular one? I'll leave it to you. Um, Trust. Okay. I was thinking uh, if I understand the transparency, but I also wonder about having filters that go to his sponsor, that go to his therapist or whatever, so that there's accountability that, that maybe takes you out of the loop with the transparency. So that was my only thought with that. So, so and my only comment is someone is very <laughs> angry at me for lecturing at them about not telling their kids. So I would say oh. every time I'm here, take what you like and leave the rest. You may or may not like what I have to say. You may or may not agree with it. I will tell you that I have 25 years of this work and I've run into a lot of children, including some people that Tammy and I know who were told and they don't feel, they, they wish they hadn't been told. They wish it's fine to say, I just do not think that it is. I know it's not our job to tell personal sexual details to a child or a young adult. I know that. And it is never okay to say to your, your kids, um, your dad cheated on me because that's using them for you to get support when it's not your job to turn to your children for support. So I do have feelings about this and I want to push you back big time. It is not my job to give you anything about what you should or shouldn't do in your life. I was asked a question and I answered it. I do not think that we should tell our kids. You may feel differently. Go right well, ahead. This particular component says... Um, well, there's a component to it. It says our children found out before we did. So, so, so let's talk about when the kids, cause I've had that before too, where, you know, so now the, the, the damage is done. They, they actually had, yeah, that's completely different than someone just, I mean, cause we often get the, you know, I got to tell you what your dad did or whatever, or like you said, you know, with, with the dad going, I'm going to tell you, cause I want you to, right. you you're going to know me. Yeah, right. That's yes. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different thing. So, so let's talk about when kids are the, like, how horrible is that? that They now know, and they're often put in a position between parents holding information too. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I always say safe for therapy. You know, if you've got a child put in a position where they feel that one parent betrayed the other and they have to pick one or the other, and now you're telling them sexual details, which I don't think you should tell them, feel free to start collecting money for their therapy because they're going to need it. Um, I believe that parents betray the very precious role of protecting our children at any age when we introduce them to such damaging information. It's not for them. It's not meant for them. And if you see an addiction, one of your children, feel free to bring it up. The way that we deal with intergenerational addiction, my dad was an alcoholic, I'm a sex addict, is we stop it. We stop the behavior and we show up for our families. It isn't about quizzing our kids or your dad's an addict, are you in it? No, it's not about warning them. It's about reality. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.